Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Everything USC podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I'm your host, Nara Wang, and in episode 30, I'm pleased to be joined by a coach who's taken a team to the Final Four and also been an assistant in the NBA. My guest is, of course, the new head coach for the USC women's basketball program, Lindsey Gottlieb. Coach Gottlieb, thanks for being on with me for the Everything USC podcast. Thanks, Nara, for having me. This is exciting. It's pretty cool. You have a podcast for every team in LA. I love that. So just happy to be here. Yeah, and if you enjoy listening to the show, please subscribe and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, and more. Or you can go right to the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media at Believe Podcast. Find out about this show and all the other shows on Believe. To reach out and connect with me, I am on Twitter. Find and follow me there at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A. W-E-N-G Sports. Lindsay, any social media you want to get out there, whether it's you, the team, anything else? Sure. I'm Coach Lindsay G on both Twitter and Instagram. So fairly active on those, kind of getting insight probably to what our team is doing on a daily basis. And also a disclaimer, a lot of my son Jordan on both of those accounts as well. And then the team account is USCWBB on both platforms as well. So follow the Trojans as we get going here and look to start a special season and a special program. The Everything USC podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. The month of June is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action. And Bet Online is where you can find it. From basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So, before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Alright, I'm going to get this out there right from the start. I didn't think that after Mark Track retired and athletic director Mike Bones said that USC would embark on a nationwide search for his replacement, that the Trojans would end up hiring an NBA assistant coach. In hindsight, sure, it all makes sense to hire someone who has the resume of Lindsey Gottlieb, a coach who took Cal to its first ever Final Four in 2013, one of seven NCAA tournament appearances in eight years with the Golden Bears, while winning over two-thirds of her games overall before leaving in 2019 to join the Cleveland Cavaliers. But I would have figured, hey, it's only her second year with the Cavs. She's been well accepted into the NBA and seems to be happy in that new endeavor. So coming back to college probably isn't what she's looking to do at this point in time. So Lindsay, what was it that made you decide to return to the collegiate ranks with the women of Troy? So you would have been right. Um, I, I wouldn't have expected this either. Just in general, you know, I was really immersed in my time in the NBA and I, and I wasn't looking. The decision really came down to USC and what I believe we can do here. 
from the moment that Mark Track retired, Mike Bone talked about recommitting to women's basketball, to making it a priority, to helping elevate the program back to a championship level. And I'm, you know, I know the business well enough to know it's not just if you think you can coach, right? And it's not just, is there a great school? It's a combination of all of those things, the right person at the right place with that type of commitment. And as the pieces came together, and with what I know of the landscape of women's college basketball, USC is, you know, one of, I believe at this point, kind of untapped hidden gems. I know it sounds crazy to say that because we're a two-time national champion, but I do think it's a school that has all the potential in the world. There is a great group of young women sitting there right now, I think, that are embracing me. And it's going to be the beginning of what I hope is just a really, you know, transcendent run in this sport. And when I started to look at all the pieces, as much as I loved what I was doing in the, in the NBA, I just felt like I couldn't say, well, let me wait another year or two because all jobs are not the same. And, and this felt like the right fit in the right place for me. In your introductory press conference, you said it's the quote, right thing at the right time for the right person, unquote. So what makes you the right person to lead the USC women's basketball program? I think, you know, my ability to have a vision that maybe is beyond what is right in front of our eyes. A couple of people said to me, as I was you know, discussing, you know, this whole opportunity with my small circle, a couple of people were like, well, are you sure you want to, you know, come back to college basketball? It's so crazy right now, you know, the transfer portal and NIL coming and players having all these, you know, all the power. And I was like, that makes it more appealing. I believe, and I have for a long time, that the players should be the centerpiece of college athletics, that while we're trying to build, you know, championship teams, and that takes a lot of chemistry and togetherness, it should not be at the kind of at the detriment of individuals and, and what they're trying to accomplish and their kind of autonomy. And so I think that in terms of being able to craft a vision for the future of college athletics, I'd like to be a part of, you know, the front end of that. And relative to USC, you know, I think I know what it takes to win in the Pac-12. It's not easy. It's an unbelievable conference right now. It was really fun to be sort of part of the rise of, of it going from maybe the least acclaimed power five in women's basketball to the top. And so now I think I have a perspective of, you know, how do we get there and stay there with USC? Just having obviously the connections of the West Coast from my time there, but also being able to, to tap in nationally because USC is a national brand. And lastly, I'd say I just spent two years in a think tank of basketball. Stepping away from being a head coach in women's college basketball has made me better. It's made me a more well-rounded coach. It's made me, I think, a stronger and better person. So while I wasn't looking for this, I think everything coming together made me feel like this was the place I belong. You mentioned how good the Pac-12 is, and you've been a part of it at Cal. And it's obviously, I think most people will agree, maybe some people in the South might not agree, but it's the best women's basketball conference in the country. So how does being in the Pac-12 impact your ability to try and build up SC's program? Well, I think, you know, things are really different than when I came into the league. Well, first as an assistant, probably what, almost 15, over 15 years ago now. And certainly, you know, when I became a head coach, the messaging is different. In the past, it was you're trying to convince, you know, some of the best players to stay West when the media attention and the winning was happening in other conferences. And now it's the exact opposite. It's saying, hey, this is where you're going to get the best basketball. This is where you're going to get the best competition. This is where the coaching is so good that you're going to be game planned against every night. And then you have to raise your level of play in order to succeed in the pros. And you've got some of the most incredible campuses and academic institutions in the world. So it's a little bit different of a sell. It's, hey, come play in the premier conference and you're going to have to be challenged 
versus saying, hey, come here in spite of some of the best teams being on the other side of the country. It's, it's completely different now. I think there's so much respect for the Pac-12. So it's more about you know, getting the right players with a lot of talent that are willing to figure out what impacts winning and challenge ourselves on a daily basis because the conference is so strong. And as you said, USC has a fine basketball tradition in women's basketball, dating back to those early to mid-1980s teams with a Hall of Fame coach in Linda Sharp, the great Cheryl Miller, Cynthia Cooper, the McGee twins, Pam and Paula, Rondo Windham. And then after that, Coach Marianne Stanley, another Hall of Famer, took over. And you had Lisa Leslie, Nikki McCrimmon, Tina Thompson. And ever since Tina Thompson's final season in 1997, and I was there during that time, USC hasn't been at that nationally elite level. There was two NCAA appearances under Mark Track in his first go-around as the women of Troy's head coach in 05 and 06. And then... Cynthia Cooper Dyke came back as a coach for USC and in her first season made it in 2014, but that's the last NCAA appearance for USC. So what's it going to take to restore USC to being one of the elite teams? So let's talk about that history for a second. You know, you said a fine history. I would say those names you just rattled off is probably, you know, save maybe listing, you know, UConn, everybody from UConn. I mean, those names you just listed are literally the powerhouse women of NCAA history. I mean, history. It's unbelievable to think about everyone you just named from the 83-84 back-to-back national champions. And the the Women of Troy documentary was just awe-inspiring. And then obviously to Lisa Leslie and Tina Thompson and, and that group. That history is, it's just, you can't overstate how tremendous it is. And then I will say, you know, I, I was sort of a witness to the other eras that you talked about, you know, with Mark Track and Cynthia Cooper. And I will say there were a lot of great players that came through and they were bit by injuries for quite a while. There was the Jackie Jamelos class with the Gilbreth sisters. And I mean, there was a ton of talent come through. And I think just the way it goes sometimes in women's basketball, sometimes you get unlucky. Sometimes you lose, you know, one game here or there that keeps you out of the tournament. So it's not like, you know, this is a program that has been dormant. I think what we have to do collectively, and I want to embrace all those alums and all the history and just say, now is the time to get back to the top, to get back to setting our standards, to not just get the best players to come, but then to do the things on a daily basis that impact winning. Some of it is telling the story of of what the campus and the city have to offer. I mean, LA is the mecca of basketball right now. And the USC campus is literally like an oasis in the middle of LA. It's unbelievable. And then you add the academic, you know, acumen. It's an exciting time. And I think it's just about you know, putting all the pieces together and and building something sustainable that can kind of withstand an unlucky loss or an injury. It's it's trying to build a program where we say, hey, our aim is for the absolute top and we're going to have fun and do things at a high level in order to get there. One thing you alluded to earlier as well is the changing landscape of the NC2A with the transfer portal, with the coming name image likeness rules that are going to go into effect probably into this upcoming season. We haven't heard exact details yet of what's going to happen. And obviously, various states have passed various laws and NCAA is still trying to figure all of that out. But do you think that USC is uniquely positioned to benefit from that? Like you said, being in L.A., having such great access to so many things in this city? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's the second largest media market in the country. There's, you know, sort of a spotlight on everything. I think, you know, we're going to attract some of the most 
talented and charismatic young people to play here. So, you know, I'm not an expert, obviously, in marketing and that type of stuff, but I'm going to learn as much as I can. Why not? Right? Why not? The things I saw relative to the women's players in the tournament last year having maybe a broader appeal, even than some of the men's players, I think it's teaching our players how to harness that. Obviously, you want it to coincide with successful basketball and with an education, right? It's not, we're not trying to do things that are separate from that, but I believe individuals that play on a great team and and commit to winning, they reap the benefits of that. And there's no question we want to be on the cutting edge of that. And a lot of it's just educating our student athletes on how to brand themselves and market themselves and not get sort of taken by an industry that could be harsh at times. I mean, all these things, I think that's part of my responsibility to guide them through this really important time in their life and allow them to do things while in college and post-college that they never maybe imagined they could do. And that's from helping setting them up with the Trojan Network in terms of jobs and getting them ready to be basketball players if that's what they want to be and harness these new opportunities that may come for female basketball players. Now, obviously, you spent the last couple of years in the NBA as an assistant coach with the Cavaliers. So how much women's basketball were you watching during that time? And how much catching up do you think you have to do after being away for even just the short amount of time that you were? It's a good question. I was watching more than you would think. It's funny because when I talked to the folks at the Cavs, when I was kind of interviewing or talking to them about that job, they were all like, man, how do you know so much NBA when you're you know, coaching women's college basketball and obviously scouting and watching games and all that? And I was like, I just love basketball. So when I'm done with the job part of my life, watching basketball, I'm going to turn on NBA games and follow. Well, it was the same when I was in the NBA, scouting games, watching our own film. But then it's 10 o'clock at night, you know, and and I'm in a hotel or even if I'm at home, you turn on the West Coast games are still on. And so I I would watch and it was fun. I was a fan. You know, it didn't matter to me who beat who in the Pac-12 tournament. I just was rooting for players and, you know, coaches and friends and things like that. So I watched more than you would think. And then I'm not too far removed from the recruiting cycles, right? I probably was watching less, you know, high school basketball, but I think I'll catch up there pretty quickly. And, you know, I've hired some great assistants that will make sure that I form relationships with the players that we're going to end up recruiting. So basically the moral of the story is you're a hoops junkie, just like all of us, basically, right? Oh, absolutely. Well, you are listening to the Everything USC podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Nara Wang. Joined today by the new head coach of USC women's basketball, Lindsey Gottlieb. If you enjoy listening to this show, subscribe, download, rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts or go to the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com. On social media, at Believe Podcasts. For me, I'm on Twitter, at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Where are all the places on social media they can catch up with you and the women of Troy? I am at Coach Lindsay G, and that's my Twitter and my Instagram. So follow there. And then the USC women's basketball team account is USCWBB. So at USCWBB for Twitter and the same for Instagram. This is Jackie Jamelis, former WNBA and USC women's basketball player, and you're listening to the Everything USC podcast with Nara Wang on the Believe Podcast Network. Fight on. So, Coach Lindsay Gottlieb, you were the first woman to leave an NCAA head coaching job to go and become an NBA assistant. And so when you were approached by the Cleveland Cavaliers, was an NBA job even on your radar? That's a great question. So not specifically, 
Now, I always had an interest in the NBA. I started to form relationships with some NBA people while I was coaching at Cal, not necessarily to ever angle to get a job, but more because you try and expand your horizons in terms of learning basketball, right? So I spent a lot of time with the Warriors watching their practices and I would try to go to different people's training camps. I went to a Clippers training camp at one point, you know, Lakers training camp all the way back when Phil Jackson was the coach. So I was always trying to just sort of learn. And then I would say in the more recent years prior to me leaving to go to the Cavs, there started to be some conversation with people I knew in the league about, hey, Lindsay, what do you think? How do we get some young women involved in the league, right? So they, people talked to me about, do I know someone who might want to be an intern? I got one of my players at Cal, a job with the Warriors. And so it was more like that. I think that's how people were thinking. The call from the Cavs was really different because this was the first time that anyone had approached me about, hey, like you right now, we see you potentially helping our organization. Would you think about doing it, right? And that was the first time that that had come. I did end up, you know, kind of during the time when the Cavs recorded me a little bit, another team sort of did the same, hey, what would you potentially be interested in doing? And I thought that was really interesting. But it wasn't specifically on my radar. I will say in my final contract at Cal, I did have written sort of a no buyout if I ever wanted to go to the NBA or WNBA. But that was more just because who knows, right? I knew that the pro thing was somewhat intriguing to me. But it wasn't until the Cavs came to me with this sort of situation and offer that I really, really let my mind go there. And so you joined a new coaching staff under former Michigan head coach John Beeline in his first pro coaching job, and he ends up resigning in February of 2020 during your first season, and J.B. Bickerstaff takes over, and then the COVID-19 pandemic suspends the season in March, and when it returns in late July in the Orlando bubble, it's only for the teams in playoff contention, which the Cavs weren't. So when the current season started in late December 2020, and everyone's talking about, oh, such a short turnaround for the Lakers, it was actually a really long turnaround for those teams that didn't make the bubble. So what was it like going through a season like that? And how did you deal with all of the adversity surrounding your situation? Yeah, JB Bickerstaff and I definitely joked a couple of times that I didn't have sort of a quote unquote normal, normal experience in the NBA in either season. But I will say, relative to the pandemic, I think it was really good for me, obviously making sort of the best out of a really tough situation. In terms of just having time to learn and grow. So the teams that were not in the bubble, you know, we knew it was really paramount with a young group to stay connected as much as we can to utilize our time how we could. So I can't remember exactly. I feel like there was, you know, a little bit of time when the season first shut down that there was some unknown, right? But then when we knew it was going to be a long break, right? That this thing wasn't going to just go away in a month. Then we started setting a schedule of X's and O meetings with our staff. And we looked, we took some deep dives. Like I looked at pick and roll defense across the league and how the best teams were successful and different things that people do in guarding the pick and roll and different members of our staff kind of dove into different things and we would present to one another. So in terms of just X's and O's, it was a lot of learning. Then with our guys, we wanted to stay connected. And so particularly with the young group, the young core, Darius and Colin, and it was KPJ at the time. And, you know, that group, Dylan Windler, we did a lot of sort of leadership type meetings and JB had kind of guest speakers come in and we connected via Zoom. So there was a lot more that we were doing when we couldn't be on the court that I think really, you know, contributed to my growth as a coach and also just the connectivity with those guys. And then we were able to do an in-market bubble in September. So the, the league did allow for the teams that didn't go to Orlando to do something. And so we went into a bubble together in Cleveland and had 
essentially like a mini camp there. So even though we weren't doing, you know, what you saw on TV, there was a lot of great time spent together. And I felt like by the time we got back to the day to day, you know, with each other in December, or I think it was really, we started in November. I felt like I was light years ahead of where I was the year before. And the main thing is we were also excited to be back with one another physically and in person. And I think we all felt it was like a blessing every single day that, yep, we got tested a couple of times a day and there were some hoops you had to jump through, but no one took for granted this ability we had to be around each other and, and, you know, to be allowed to do what we love to do, which is be around a team and coach guys, you know, every single day. What did you enjoy the most about your time coaching in the NBA? I mean, a lot of things. I think that I love everything that goes into women's college basketball. I love, you know, that that's an entire program that you're running and there's, you know, nutrition and scheduling classes and meeting with the players. And there's all the things that you do outside of the 30 game days or the 35 game days or outside of practice. But it was a nice sort of change for me to be a part of, you know, the pro mentality where it really is just about basketball and human development, human relationships, right? Like there's a lot of other stuff that goes into running an organization, but I didn't have much to do with that part, right? Like I was talking about draft prospects and I was talking about our current players and, you know, we were on the court. And so it was kind of cool just to see the way that that works, right? Like it just expanded my mind, but no question the relationships with the guys and the X's and O's and just being around the staff. Those were the things that I think, you know, made my day to day as enjoyable as it was. So obviously it's different coaching men and women. It's different coaching amateur athletes and pro athletes. That's the obvious stuff. But when you get down to it, what are the main differences between coaching NBA players and college players? Well, I think it became pretty clear to me that elite athletes all, I think, want the same thing from their coach. I think it transcends gender of the coach and of the player. Like they want, you know, the best players want to know that you know what you're doing, right? They want your technical skill to be high and they want to know, can you make me better as a basketball player, right? Whether it's, you know, Kevin Love making $30 million a year or a rookie coming in or a college player, like you can't fake things to them. Like you have to know what you're talking about. They want you to be prepared and know what you're doing. And then universally, they all want to know that you care about them as a human being beyond the basketball, college players and pro players. Like it cannot just be transactional. You have to spend the time to get to know people as humans and their outside interests, and then you can coach them harder and then you can coach them better. So I think those things are really the same. The difference in college is you are their number one person for those four or five years that they're in college. Not, you know, not more important than their parents, obviously, but you're the one that they see every single day. You have more of an impact on them than their professors, probably than their friends. And so that's a huge responsibility. Pro players have a little bit more of you know, their own life. They have a family, maybe, you know, living with them here. They maybe have an agent, you know, so you're still important to them, but you're not responsible kind of for everything. And so I take that responsibility really seriously to try to, you know, be more to our players than just the person they see, you know, from one to three at practice, uh, to be someone that's helping them in all aspects of their lives. And I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of getting back to that holistic, you know, approach to it as well. What's the biggest thing you learn being in the NBA that will help you be a better coach back in the college game? I think so much about spacing and pace. You know, the NBA has a 24 second shot clock and you're not reinventing the wheel offensively. I mean, guys have some really good ATOs, you know, plays to drop coming out of timeouts, but you know, typically, you know, you're not reinventing the wheel when it comes to a brand new set here or there. It's about who's doing those small things really well, spacing, 
timing, angles of screens, pace. So I think I can bring that mentality back to the women's side. And I also think the NBA does an incredible job with player development. So from using analytics to make players better, using a comprehensive program, and I think I will bring that back. I plan to have just the most dynamic player development program in the country. And so what are the pro concepts that you're planning to implement with the women of Troy, whether it's on the court with plays and schemes and analytics or off the court in things like administration, time management, whatever? Yeah, I think a little bit of both. And, and I still have to obviously dig into our personnel and continue to watch more film. We're going to do what's best for the players that we have. But there's no question that I think the ability to space the floor and play at a pace, you know, is going to be a little bit different than what they were doing. I also think we're going to take a deep dive into shot quality, you know, and how we get the looks that lead to winning basketball, not just go out there and take any shot, right. But try and say, okay, what type of offensive projection are we trying to get? And then from an off the court standpoint, I think, you know, there are a lot of college coaches who just think more, 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 let's practice more, right. Let's practice longer. And I think we're going to be able to find ways to practice more efficiently to get some stuff in individually so that players are working on their own game and then come together collectively. But we don't have to, sometimes, you know, you see in the pros that there are effective ways to do it when it's not just taking someone's entire day up. Like you, I think in college, sometimes people like to do. And so I'm I'm excited to try and make it a program where there's ownership amongst the players, where we have really good structure, but we're spending, you know, time with player development, with team growth, and also practice, but not just pounding them into the ground every day because you're allowed to, you know, with 20 hours a week. So you signed a six-year deal to be the USC head coach. So Trojan fans are obviously hoping you're going to be successful and here in Los Angeles for a while. But would you ever consider going back to the NBA someday if an opportunity presented itself? I mean, I, I wouldn't be moving my family across the country and kind of taking on this sort of giant, you know, transformative opportunity if it wasn't to build this thing into what I know it can be. So that is my sole focus. You know, it really is for the next chunk of our lives, right? I'm still fairly young. So, you know, when I'm 60, right, I don't know, you know, could I be a GM of an NBA team? Maybe someday, but it's not something that's in the immediate. We did this as a family to be able to say, you know, one thing about the pros is there isn't the same stability. If you talk to NBA coaches across the league, they've lived in five different NBA cities. You know, this was also the ability to say, okay, we're going to raise our son and, and have our family in one place and do something special there. And that's what my focus is on. This is the Everything USC podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Nara Wang. My guest today is the head women's basketball coach at the University of Southern California, Lindsay Gottlieb. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, you can subscribe and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, and more, or go right to the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Podcasts. For me, I'm on Twitter. Find and follow me at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Coach Gottlieb, let the people know how they can connect with you and the team. My Twitter handle and my Instagram are Coach Lindsay G. So at Coach Lindsay G for Twitter and just Coach Lindsay G for Instagram. And then our team account is USCWBB. So definitely give us a follow. We'll be kind of opening the curtains and letting people see how we do things. And there'll be a lot of content for sure. 
Hi, everybody. Pete Arbogast, the voice of the USC Trojans since 1989. You're listening to the Everything USC podcast with Nara Wang on the Believe Podcast Network. Coach Gottlieb, now let's talk a little more about the situation you've inherited here at USC. The team this past season was mostly freshmen and sophomores. Only upperclassmen were junior Desiree Caldwell and grad transfer Jordan Sanders out of UC Irvine, who broke out onto the scene with USC. So with the NCAA giving everyone the free year of eligibility, is everyone returning? When I got the job, we had two players in the transfer portal. One of them has already, you know, come back and she's all in. That's Angel Jackson. India Rogers remains in the portal and is looking at other schools. So that's where we are with that. But I I feel, you know, really fortunate that the majority of the team is all in and ready to go. And, you know, sometimes coaches take over and they start thinking about, you know, let me get my players. These are my players, right? These are our players. And we're excited to do something special with them. And I think they're really excited to get going. So we'll get everybody back for summer workouts pretty soon here, mid-June, and we'll get going. And how much interaction have you had with the players so far? So only virtually, which is kind of strange, you know, the timing of when I got the job, they were already in finals and then home. And so we've had a couple of Zooms and a bunch of text messages, and that's been really good, but there's nothing like you know, interacting in person. So I can't wait, you know, to get everybody back together and and really get this thing started, but it'll be good. Like it's a chance for, you know, all of us to kind of get a breather. I believe in time off, letting them have some time off, but when we hit it, it's going to be a lot of time spent, not on just the strength and conditioning and the basketball, but also on team culture building. Cause I think investing in that on the front end is going to pay really big dividends for us throughout the year and beyond. You've always been known as what they say as a player's coach, but what does that description mean to you? I can't honestly, you know, think about what it would be like to not be right. Like, I don't understand coaches sort of who are in it for themselves and I need this and I want this and I don't get that. Like to me, it's about investment in the players. So when it's a player's coach, you know, thing, I think it's that what you see is what you get. Who I am doesn't change when we step across those lines. Sure, we're intense on the court and practice has a different feel than just hanging out in the office, but I'm, I'm the same person all the time, you know, and I think I'm relational and I care about the individuals that I coach. I think that's why I do it. And we're trying to do something together. I feel like it's their program and I'm just, you know, everyone has a different role. My role is to, you know, to drop the plays, to set the vision, you know, to, to have a, a scouting report out there, but we all do it together. And, I, and that's kind of described as a player's coach. I guess that's what I am. And the incoming freshmen, just two of them are ranked as ESPN's number seven recruiting class in the nation, and they were both named McDonald's High School All-Americans and to the Jordan brand classic roster, even though those games are not being played this year due to the pandemic. But let's talk about them real quick. So first of all, Clarice Uche Akunwafo, 6'6 center from Inglewood, Rolling Hills Prep School, number two center and the number 21 player overall in the country, two-time All-CIF selection, averaged over 20 points a game and 12 and a half boards, couple blocks in high school, and the other 6'4 guard forward out of Linwood High School, Rhea Marshall, number 27 ranked overall player by ESPN in the country, averaging 18 points a game, 10 and a half rebounds, two and a half blocks, two and a half steals during her high school time. What do you know about them and how do they fit into a roster that's going to be returning a lot of players? 
So they're young enough where I had seen them on the circuit before I took the Cavs job. So I have, you know, very, very vivid memories of each of them, like me literally sitting there watching high school performances when they were freshmen or so, maybe sophomores, you know, kind of being blown away. I saw Rhea, I remember at a Nike Nationals game and it was the national championship game and Kevin Durant was there. And I was looking at her going, she's, you know, very Kevin Durant-like, you know, a young kid who has the complete skill set at 6'4". And Clarice as well played for a club team that I watched a ton and she was young and I saw her just like dominate games on the board. So couldn't be more excited, number one, for their belief in me. But I think it speaks to how they feel about USC as a school and a program. You know, they're both LA kids who want to do big things, you know, for their hometown school. So I'm really excited. Obviously, they're going to be, you know, big parts, not only of this year, but the future. And then we also did add a grad transfer, Tara Reed from VCU, who had been committed to the previous staff, and she stayed as well. So excited about that. So there's three newcomers returning to a group that was pretty darn close to, you had potential for an NCAA tournament berth last year. So we're excited about what the newcomers and the returners can do together. You've also hired two of your assistant coaches so far with one more to go. One of them you're very familiar with, Wendell Farrow, who was an assistant for you up at Cal and has been at Cal for the last five years. He also spent a couple of seasons in a variety of roles cross town at UCLA under Corey Close. So maybe some insider information against your new (laughs) rival there. And then Danielle Grant, who is an assistant at the University of Utah the last six years, so very familiar with the conference and is someone who played collegiately at Utah State. So tell me a little bit about what both are bringing to the table. So I'm really fortunate, right? Obviously, you know, the staff that you can hire is kind of the cornerstone of, of what you're going to be able to do. And so to be able to, you know, go within the other programs in the Pac-12 and be able to bring with me two of the best in the business is a great start for us. The first thing is take away their basketball abilities and their work ethic. Just as human beings, these are the people that our players are going to be around, going to be learning from, going to be mentored by. And so I always start with character and who are they? You know, as you mentioned, I've had the chance to work with Dale. He's an unbelievable servant leader. His story is incredible. He gives back to the community. He just wants to, you know, help players achieve their goals. He's really fun to be around. He's very smart, sharp. He learned, you know, from the video on up in this business and has worked his way up to be one of the top assistants in the country and and on the West Coast. And then Danny, I've never worked with Danny, but you kind of like watch people and see their work ethic and how they carry themselves on the road. And I have a lot of respect for Lynn at Utah and what they run and how they do things. Then I started talking to some club coaches and it was more hypothetical. Hey, you know, if you were making a list, who would you hire? And literally Danny's name came out of every single person's mouth that I talked to. So not only did I kind of have an instinct, but clearly every, you know, every club coach that deals with her has that kind of respect. And she's an LA girl, you know, grew up and went to high school in LA. And so I think they're both, you know, really good fits, but most importantly, they're going to be the people that influence our players in a positive way. And I'm excited about that. In their previous jobs, they seem to have worked mainly with guards. Is that something you're going to continue with USC? Is there going to be that kind of a defined role for them in terms of who they're working with specifically in terms of positions or anything like that? So our player development program is going to be, I think, a little bit more dynamic where there are different people working with different players. Again, one of the NBA models, obviously, there's so many staff in the NBA that like every guy had their own sort of coach. And we can't do that because we don't have, you know, 15 coaches, but I do think we can do some dynamic things where, you know, before they go into a workout, they're getting a little bit of film. They're working with a position coach. They're working with me. So I do think there'll be kind of this sort of, you know, dynamic ability for players to connect with different coaches, but we probably will break things up positionally. 
we're kind of pending waiting on this third hire here, but we'll make sure that we get, you know, players some attention in a small group as well with position coaches that can help guide their development. And I'll be really involved with all of that. When do you expect to hire the third assistant for the staff? Soon. My hope is within the next week. All right. And so before I let you go, final question for Coach Lindsey Gottlieb. What can USC fans expect to see from a Lindsey Gottlieb coach team? First things first, like we're going to talk about this, you know, this summer and fall, like who do we want to be? What do we want to be identified by? Right. And if the things come out that I think they will, you know, playing hard, being connected, playing with pace, being aggressive, those type of things that is kind of regardless of scouting report game plan, who's taking the shots, you know, what our tactics are. That's what I want. I mean, the the teams with the most energy and who play together and who make the extra pass and who dive on the floor and who crash the glass really hard. Like those are the teams that tend to be winning teams, right? Cause like, we're going to have talent. So if we're doing those things also, I think those are going to be the identity pieces where, you know, coaches from another team say, Oh gosh, we don't want to play them, you know, cause they're going to bring it every night. That's the first thing Then I would say, like I said, a little bit, you know, on the offensive end, just being able to have a dynamic offense that plays with pace, that takes advantage of mismatches, that puts people in positions where they can utilize their strengths, whether that's in pick and roll or spacing the floor or going to the basket. And then defensively, you know, we're going to try and lock people up. It's pretty simple. Sounds simple. Easier said than done, but that's what we're going to do. Well, it all sounds good to me. So thank you very much, Coach Lindsey Gottlieb, for joining me today on the Everything USC podcast. Thank you for having me. Look forward to doing this together with the whole community. So whoever's listening, you know, come out, support us. I think it's going to be a fun ride. For my guests, Lindsey Gottlieb, head coach of the USC women's basketball team. I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 30 of the Everything USC podcast presented by Bet Online on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles's number one sports podcast network, the only place with the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? And as always, as I end every show, please remember to fight on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.